Welcome back to Out the Gate, the podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. I'm Ben Shaw. Over the course of the podcast so far, I've talked to a lot of very experienced sailors, but I like to get different perspectives, and this week's guests are just getting started on their sailing adventures. Garrett and Audrey are a young couple who five years ago decided they wanted to travel via sailboat. The next step was learning how to sail and finding a boat. I've followed them for a while on Instagram, but finally met them in person for the first time at the Latitude 38 crew party about a month ago at the Bay Model in Sausalito. And earlier this month, on the evening of October 2nd, they took the big leap, leaving their slip at the Clipper Yacht Harbor in Sausalito to head out the gate just as the sun set over the western horizon. I caught up with the two of them just before this departure to talk about how they got here and where they hope to go aboard their 35-foot sloop named Thistledew. Enjoy the interview. Audrey, um, and we are on board. This will do our Rafiki 35 that we have owned for just three years. Um, we just had the anniversary two days ago and moved on board about a year and a half. And my husband, Garrett Ruland. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're on our Rafiki 35, hole number 16 of 21, full keeled sailboat with a lot of character. Is a, the way I like to describe her. What year? 1979. Yeah, so they started building them in 78. I think sold really, really well at some boat show um, because everybody I know that has them, they were made within like two years of each other. Hmm. And then there was one, the last one built was like a special order in 1994. Built in Taiwan? Yes. Western Pacific Yacht Builders was okay. the name of the, the builder. She's a beautiful boat. A lot of... A lot of wood down below. Nice huge chart table for a 35-foot boat. So let's back up a second, though. Tell me how the two of you came to find this boat. We lived in Newport, Rhode Island, uh, the summers working in college, and I worked on boats and absolutely loved sailing. You met in college, correct? Met. We met in college. In Michigan, yep. Michigan State. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Living in Newport, I knew I wanted to learn how to sail, but everybody in Newport starts sailing when they're like three. So I thought the best way to do it was buy a sailboat, and that was the best and worst decision ever uh, because we spent two years trying to get it to s sailing ready rather than actually sailing. It wasn't this boat. It was a McGregor 23 yeah. that I think I I slept on it once or twice, but never I, I never took it out sailing. But that kind of is where... Garrett's passion for sailing came about. We moved to San Francisco a few years later and were in the city and had a conversation that was inspired by a friend of ours to write down the five things that were most important to us and then have a conversation with so your... So write these down separately. Write them down separately and then have a conversation with your partner, your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend about what those things were, and how would you incorporate those into your daily life. So, Audrey, what were your five things? Oh, um, they were community, health, relationships, 
creativity, and travel. And Garrett? Water was number one. Freedom was number two. And that's both from, you know, I don't want to say responsibility, but also financial freedom. I needed that. <laughs> and we were just coming out of college at this point, so that, that was a long way away. Water, freedom, family, celebration, which is a nice way to say I like to party. Uh-huh. <laughs> you were just coming out of college. <laughs> just coming out of college. I, a lot has changed, I swear. And I can't remember. Travel was on I there. just looked at the list on your blog post, okay, so it's relationship. Was, Re- relationship. was it yeah. relationship? And so you had that one in common. Yeah. People are very important to us. Animals are very important to us. So it's kind of like all-encompassing. Um, and our relationship is obviously very important to us, too. But we wrote those things down and then just had a conversation about, are we having these things in our lives? You know, what is lacking and what can we do? So for me, what was really present was I wanted to travel. My dad is from Ireland, and I've always thought about living abroad. And it just kind of didn't work out that way yet. And I just kind of I felt very drawn mostly to Europe, but just to go anywhere and spend a lot of time exploring. And for Garrett, I think it was returning back to being on the water and trying to reconnect with that passion of sailing. At this point, I started looking at boats, but really, I, I knew I wanted to get on the water. I didn't know we wanted to like live on the boat at this point. So I was looking at tons of boats. I found a Grand Banks 32 for sale for $14,000, which even... Grand Banks 32 in the worst shape. That was a pretty good deal. If people don't know, Grand Banks are not sailboats. They're not a sailboat. Yep. Great liveaboard, but uh, I, I called the broker and said, I think you missed a zero because this is a great <laughs> deal. What's wrong with this boat? He says, nothing's wrong with the boat. The bank owns it. They want to get rid of it. And I said, can I schedule time to come check it out? They said, I have eight people on the way with checks. If you're the first person here, you can have the boat. Wow. So I called Audrey, and we had not discussed living on board <laughs> aboard at this point. And I said, what do you think? This is bigger than our apartment, and you know, I, and I think we can afford this. And she's like, we don't, like, we don't have that. We don't, even though it's $14,000, we don't have that. So we didn't get the boat, but that was our first, like, okay, maybe we do want to live aboard. This could be a good deal. So... I said I wanted to live aboard the boat. Audrey said if she's going to live aboard, we're going somewhere. We're not just going to s- sit on it. So this was our this that was like the r- original conversation of we're going to live on a boat. It's got to go somewhere. And then I did calculations on uh, gasoline costs for bringing it back to the East Coast, and it was like, all right, we should probably learn how to sail because it's going to save us a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. The decision to go cruising, in some ways, preceded. The knowledge of sailing. Yeah, definitely. It was just a combination of kind of what it was becoming apparent of what we wanted to do, you know, just travel by boat and yeah, with factoring in costs and <laughs> how to make this kind of feasible. That's when we decided, okay, let's Was learn this how something that you knew that people did? Had you read about no. this? No. Um, well, I mean, I think we, I mean, we know that it, we knew that it had been done, but this was in 2014. And I think just a lot of the YouTube sailing YouTube channels were just getting started. Um, and so we didn't know that there was that existed in the world, that there were people our age doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I started the social media account, um, Instagram and a blog just to try to connect with other people. I couldn't find a lot of information online. Um, and 
slowly it just started building and just kind of just this community again, which was really important to me, um, started developing and we started to see other young cruisers and cruisers of all ages doing what we wanted to do um, on YouTube and on Instagram on things like that. And it really, really helped us um, visualize, you know, what we were actually going to do. And it's just been a really nice resource to be able to connect with people and talk to people and just ask questions, you know, because when we started planning this, there wasn't really anything out there. So we had to do a lot from scratch for the first year or two. In terms of online, easy access type of things, there are a lot of books out there. That's Garrett's going through our, yeah. <laughs> our library going right now. Library here um, bookshelf. But in terms of kind of like short, digestible content, for me at least to understand what we're about to do, I didn't see a lot of that out there. And now there's just so much, which is really, really great. Yeah, and the more you dig into it, the more it starts to pop out. Were there any books or blogs or video youtube video series that just sparked your imagination i literally like three days after audrey and i made this decision i was walking down the street in san francisco and in in a pile just north of chinatown i found uh this old boat a book called sailing the farm written like the 50s and 60s so many drawings of basically how to turn your boat into a self-sustaining resource and uh like a couple other like old classic books like this but that was such a sign like in chinatown finding these these (laughs) old books it is a sign yeah there was a couple or there is a couple their youtube channel is monday never and they were based in san francisco and then they bought a boat sight unseen somewhere in the caribbean and flew out and just started cruising around that was the first youtube channel and I think it was because they were coming from San Francisco and the episodes were great. And I don't know if I discovered that or you did. But anyway, we both worked at the same company for a while. So during our lunch breaks, we would go into a conference room and turn on their YouTube channel. And it was just that for me made it more real. Like that made me really want to do it. Just being able to see another couple kind of similar to us doing what we wanted to do. Our plan for year one was and I, I did read this in a book, which I was, I think it was like the essentials to moving aboard a boat or living aboard a boat. And its recommendation was get on as many boats as possible. So you find what you like, what you don't like. Again, I didn't have any sailing experience. So it was, how do I get on any boats possible? So we started, I started by volunteering at the Blue Water Foundation, which are you familiar with it? Just, I was visiting your website and clicked over to theirs and yeah, tell us about it. It's an impressive organization. So it's a great organization that takes under-resourced kids uh, out sailing, teaches them how to sail. And we met Mark Gunard, who him and his wife had previously done a, a circumnavigation. Um, we got in touch with them through, again, small community, but had lunch with them. They said, if you come out to the Blue Water Foundation, like uh, you can be crew. And I said, again, I don't know how to sail. And they're like, if you can pull lines, I'll tell you what to do. So that's how I started sailing. And had again had some experience sailing before, but really didn't start sailing until five years ago. And within one year, I was sailing on f- five different boats, f- up to five days a week. Wow! Yeah, yeah. And I always say it's amazing that Garrett was able to keep his job because he was leaving on a Tuesday afternoon here to go <laughs> volunteer and coming in late on a Thursday morning because he was out sailing and 
constantly how many, I don't know, you had two or three screens in front of you at work and one was always on Craigslist, you know, something looking for boats. He was constantly scrolling. Um, it was just, I think sailing was just so present and still is, but you know, it was really taking up a lot of space in your mind. Talk about that process of looking for boats. I know that for some of us, it never, ever ends. My wife teases me about that all the time. But uh, there must have been some pressure because you knew you were, you know, you had a timeline. You wanted to find something, right? After sailing on about 10 different boats, we put together a list of 10 things we wanted. I knew I wanted a sloop, sloop rig because I wanted to keep it simple. I wanted a nav station. I wanted a quarter berth. Um, I preferably wanted a nav station quarter berth that was closed in just to give that like second couple some privacy. We didn't find that, but I knew I wanted a full keel. That was really important, something fiberglass and heavy. And again, because of our first sailing or boat ownership experience, I wanted something that could sail day one. Even if it wasn't ready to sail around the world, I could take it sailing that afternoon. I looked at probably 30 different boats and that was a wild experience. Some boats I'd show up to and there'd be nobody on board. They'd say, there's a key underneath this hatch. Go ahead, look at it. And, you know, a lot of talking to brokers, um, found one boat that we wanted to purchase. Audrey and I had great jobs and we have great credit, but we got turned down for so many different reasons, mostly because the boat was old or it, it was just like one of them was we had never borrowed that much money before, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I was right. like. <laughs> and that was really important for me, for us to be able to buy something that we could afford because I didn't want to invest a lot of money and have to finance a boat that we were going to be sitting here for years paying off. Um, so I think I would get a little bit nervous when you would come across something that was, you know, yeah. north or double of our price range. Um, Spoiler alert here. You two have quit your jobs and you're about to head off, which is fantastic. We'll get to that. But you obviously had a plan. The question that will come to a lot of people's minds is financially, how did you make it happen? We, we were fortunate enough to have great jobs in San Francisco, but again, couldn't take out a loan, so I had to pay cash for the boat. We're still in student loan debt. I, I actually remember finding a boat that we could afford, and I called a close friend of mine and said, like, I, I found a boat that can do what we want. It checks the boxes. I can afford it. Should I buy it? And he's like, if you have to ask me that, then it is not the boat. So I thought that was a really, really good point. As far as buying the boat, we made some risky decisions where basically if we got cash, it was going in the pocket. It was going to the, like we were saving it. Um, we lived in a 380 square foot apartment in San Francisco for two years. So we, we, we've been living in about the same space. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good preparation for a boat. For, for, um, but I mean, for us, like as terrible as it sounds, it was like if, if we, we put money on credit cards so we could keep the cash to buy the boat. So that was risky. But again, we had good jobs, so we we knew what we mm -hmm. we didn't put ourselves in too much of a burden. Yeah, and I think too we made really strategic decisions with our career moves, trying to find jobs that were better paying, and just having okay, if we make this much money, then we can put this aside. So we both were fortunate to be hired in jobs that put us in better financial situations. Um, but it was kind of again always at the back of our mind that we want to do this. So how can we be scrappier? What can we do to put more money aside? Because I'm sure, as you know, it's almost impossible <laughs> to save money while living in San Francisco. It's so expensive. 
but we still did struggle to build up a huge savings account, especially once we bought the boat. And I think the biggest needle mover was moving on board. That really, really helped us save mm-hmm. because that cut our living costs in, in half, you know, at least. So that, that definitely was a big thing for us. And you've been living aboard for a year now. Yeah. Yep. Over a year. We moved on in April 2018. Um, so just shy of a year and a half, but we were gone for the summer. So it kind of feels like a year. What have been some of the biggest surprises living on a sailboat? Mm, I think we were surprised with how much I liked it at first. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good Um, surprise. Because if you go back to kind of my rule of if we're living on the boat, it has to be going somewhere. I'm not going, I always said I'm not going to live on a boat and go about my daily life with going into work every day. And and then finally, i I got so frustrated with our small apartment in San Francisco and not kind of hitting our savings goal fast enough that I said, we'll do it. I'll move on board. Um, And then I really enjoyed it. I think um, the community is so great. People are really helpful. People are really nice. We feel very connected to nature, which I think for both of us was maybe the biggest surprise. There are a few birds in the marina that we think are the same ones. We don't really know, but um, we really enjoyed their presence. We know they're not, but we We've named them. <laughs> um, We're sitting here in Clipper Cove in Sausalito. Yeah. So just give people a bearing. Yeah. and it, I'm mean, not Clipper Cove. I'm uh, sorry. Clipper, Clipper Yacht Harbor. Clipper Yacht Harbor. Yeah. Clipper Cove is over on Treasure Island. Yeah. So the birds, the seals, the um, just waking up here is so peaceful. So I think that's that was surprising to me. Yeah. It was a huge surprise how much we saved. We, mm-hmm. As Audrey mentioned, she said she'd never live on the boat, but it kind of became that apparent that if we wanted to sail, we had to live on the boat. And we got really, really lucky to get a live aboard slip. Um, I, we were here for about a year before we even asked for it. And I think just proving that we were good tenants, always paying on time, and then explaining what our goal was, um, that we didn't just plan on living in the clipper in the harbor for the next 10 years um i think helped a lot mm-hmm. um but really we just we got lucky when we got live aboard but as far as savings goes so heading off cruising isn't really a choice you have to go now because <laughs> yeah. the harbor's gonna yeah. say yeah. sayonara the expectation, set, <laughs> the, yeah. the expectation was set but, but uh, i was gonna say with as far as savings goes um it wasn't what we were surprised by it wasn't just the cutting of what we were spending on rent it was, you know, rather than going out to dinner, uh, we were now cooking on board. Or rather going, rather than going into a bar on Saturday, we go sailing, which is what makes us happy anyway. But our initial projections of savings were probably tripled by moving aboard just by, rather than spending money, we're just doing what we wanted to do. It's also an interesting transition into the cruising lifestyle because you are already living aboard. So it's not going to be that sudden shift. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad that we did it this way because I transitional periods really <laughs> overwhelm me. <laughs> and moving out of our apartment, even though it was only 385 square feet, onto the boat, I just realized how much stuff we have, you know. And we didn't. We um, I'm from the East Coast and Garrett's from Michigan, and we both intend to end up back east. And so we've never really invested in furniture, um, but we had nice kitchen things. We had clothing. We just accumulated stuff over the years that um, was hard to either let go of or just managing, you know, donating it and all that stuff. That was really, really overwhelming to me, but it was nice to be able to do that and then have a storage unit and adjust for a year 
and then, you know, get used to living on the boat. And now we can set sail without having to do that kind of stressful period right before we leave. So speaking of transition and it being overwhelming, you are about a week or or so from throwing off the uh, dock lines and heading south. What are your thoughts right now about that transition? The big turning left uh, is a bit daunting. I did the Bahaha last year, okay. so I have some blue water experience and have done the Channel Islands and things like that, but never on my boat. And this is the first time as captain as well. So that responsibility is a bit daunting. Um, I think also if anybody who's sailed the San Francisco Bay um, and has only sailed the San Francisco Bay, the ocean has got to be terrifying because you just assume it's worse. It's so much bigger, right? But it, anybody who has actually done both knows that San Francisco Bay is just as bad, if not worse, many of the times. Sure, it doesn't get 25-foot swells, but it can be as unforgiving. Getting the boat out, we've had a couple of times where we just go out and turn left just to get that um, a, a barrier off, off of our minds. Mm-hmm. But I can't wait. We've actually been not as far south as... Um, uh, Half Moon Bay, but we've gone out a couple times in winter time, and I don't want to say scared ourselves, but it's like, ooh, this is not as fun as we'd hoped for. <laughs> yeah, well, that is one of the nice things about San Francisco Bay is you can go out and be in it mm-hmm. and test yourself right away. Yep, while still being close to home. <laughs> totally. The beautiful thing about cruising is, before when we would go to Half Moon Bay or Santa Cruz, you'd go when you had to go. Is I only had the weekend, so it was like. Even if it's blowing 40 knots today, this is our time to get experience. Where now, you know, I'm sitting on predict wind every day. And actually today is one day where it's like, we could make it down to Santa Cruz without having more than 15 knot winds, you know, right off the stern and be there pretty comfortably. As another guest on this podcast recently said, it's the sailor with time who gets the best weather. Definitely. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Audrey, how are you feeling? I'm excited and I'm excited and I'm nervous. I've been talking to a lot of friends about it. They said, you'd be crazy if you weren't nervous. You know, this is such a big thing that you guys are about to do. Um, And again, I think it's just sitting in this transitional period, just sitting and waiting. Once we get out there, I'm sure that I will be fine. But we've been planning on this, dreaming about it, talking to other people about it for the last over five years. And so now that it's finally here, it's just so exciting to me. I hope the nerves will dissipate once <laughs> once we get out there, but just kind of the waiting the waiting is hard and and we are we're leaving in just over a week, and the reason that we're waiting is because we have a friend coming with us on the first leg. His schedule opens up next week. I won't hold you to anything here because we all know <laughs> schedules change with sailing, but tell us a little bit about your intended plans, yep, so our intended plan is to make it to Panama this sailing season. So we'll spend the next month going down the coast again. I, I want to have it. We're, we're not planning on coming back. So I wanted to have enough time to stop into each port and enjoy it. Hopefully get to the channel islands. We should have enough time. And then we're meeting up with the Baja, uh, which takes off November 2nd out of San Diego. Um, that will take us down to Cabo San Lucas. We'll spend a month from November, mid November to mid December in the Sea of Cortez, and then December 23rd, make it down to Puerto Vallarta. 
And then we're meeting up with another group called the Panama Posse, which it's similar to the Bahahaha, but um, less strict. So Bahahaha, everybody's at each port at the same time. The Panama Posse is a smaller number of boats, more like 30 instead of 150. And I would say just generally going in the same direction at about the same time. I know that the the list is never done when you leave, but what ha, what few things are you wrapping up? Or do you feel pretty ready to go? So we have, I would say the biggest thing right now is we have insurance through Mexico. And nobody wants to insure you after that. The boat was built in 1979. Um, not to mention the political climate currently in a lot of the Central American countries is making that a challenge. So if there was going to be anything that changed our plan... It would be probably that not being able to get get <laughs> get into um, get into the more southern ports, but as of recently, like we have nothing to prove. So if I get down to Mazatlan and I love it, and that's as far south as my insurance wants me to go, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> what do they say? Sailors' plans are written in the sand at low tide, mm-hmm. you know. And that's been a big adjustment for me because I love to plan. And I think going into this, we can provide ourselves with as much information as possible in terms of you know what paperwork do you need for each country, what are the best ports and marinas to go into, and just to have information at hand, but know that if we want to be in Panama on April 1st, there's no guarantee that we'll be in, in Panama on April 1st. So just to be flexible, and like Garrett said, this is for us to do, and it's what we want to do, you know, so if we get somewhere in Mexico or somewhere along the way and just end up loving it and want to stay there, we have that freedom right now in our lives to do that, which is really wonderful. The intention is to get to Panama by the end of this cruising season, work somewhere on the East Coast next summer during hurricane season, Okay. Uh, return to the boat in the fall, and hopefully do the Caribbean. But again, plans <laughs> can sure. change. We'll have to check in with ourselves you know, along the way, see how we feel, see how the sailing kitty's doing. But yeah, I think... Going into this unknown space is a little terrifying, but it's mostly exciting because I don't know if we've ever had so much freedom in our lives before. What would you say to people who are wondering about how to do this? What do you think it was that enabled you to make the decision and then make it a reality? Yeah, we talk about that a lot. And I think it's the hardest thing for people to determine is what they want and what they really want so if it's to go cruising I think identify why do you want to go cruising is it for the freedom is it to explore other countries or do you just want to be on the water more you know Um, kind of breaking down exactly what do you want to do and then working towards that goal so for us it was we want we identified that we wanted to cruise because I wanted to travel and Garrett wanted to be on the water Um, and we from there we worked backwards and how to be able to make that possible so yeah my big thing is just figure out what you want to do um, and the steps to get there and also be if you can be flexible with timing I think when we started planning this we were originally hoping to leave in 2017 because just that's when we thought we could and then 2018 you know that came and went and 2018 came and we were ready to leave but we kind of didn't want to we were enjoying living on the boat our jobs are in good places and we liked Sausalito, so we said, let's just do another year. So know what you want and give yourself the time to do what you need to do. 
Sounds to me you're already living the cruising lifestyle. If you like a place, you stay. <laughs> if you yeah. don't like, you move on. Totally. For you, what, what do you think it was, Carrot? Breaking it down into bite-sized plans and goals. You know, for us, it was learn how to sail, <laughs> learn what boats we like, get the boat into sailing condition, move aboard boat, get boat into cruising condition. Bernard Mutessier put it perfectly when he was talking about sailing around the world. He said, if, if I think about sailing all three capes, and I would panic and shut down. So it was just thinking about each day is its own and uh, what you have to tackle. So even now, Audrey and I, at least a bit at the beginning of each week, kind of outline what we're going to do each day. And that way, when we wake up in the morning, it's like, here's our to-do list. I can just focus on that today. And I don't have to stress about anything else because I have a list for the other things will get taken care of. You're living in a small space together on this boat. You were living in a small space in San Francisco together on this. What is it about your relationship that's allowed this to work? Do you have any concerns when you head off? No, because we, we've just traveled Europe for three months, uh, just the two of us. Backpacking through um, Europe. But I, I tell people this all the time, like the key to our relationship, we've been together for 12 years, always lived in small spaces, even worked together at certain times. So it was obviously you have to love each other. But like, I love my brothers. It doesn't mean I want to spend every day with them. Um, so you also have to really like each other. So yeah. love and like is, I would say, our biggest thing. Yeah. We work well together. We met freshman year in college so we got we built our relationship in a dorm room you know and then tiny college apartments and um we're best friends we enjoy each other's company and i think we are always working on communication in our relationship and i think we know when one another somebody just needs to go lay down and not talk for a while or you know like you have to you still do need your own space when you're living in such a tiny place um so it's kind of things like if you're going to watch TV on the iPad, can you wear headphones or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that? This is the first place that we've lived in out of the last three ap- yeah. apartments that we actually have a bedroom. Mm. With a bedroom yeah, door. With a door. Very with a door. <laughs> so there's more privacy yeah. on the boat. That's interesting because yeah. I was going to ask, what do you do to get away? But you can go and you can yeah, close, close the door. the door. But I wanted to back up for how did we make this possible. Yeah. I think a key component was talking about this plan with our family and, and close friends as soon as we came up with it. <laughs> yeah, not, we couldn't lose <laughs> our jobs. We couldn't scream it from the mountaintops. Yeah. But I think just communicating it to people, um, A, held us accountable. And we had some people be like, oh, yeah, totally. I can totally see you guys doing that. And others being like, mm-mm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. But just kind of saying we want to do this, putting it out in the universe made it feel more real. And then also we got connected to so many great people by saying like, hey, my cousin sailed around the world. Why don't you have coffee with him? Or these people have done, you know, so I think that was big for us. Just and your parents have been supportive. There. That could be worrisome to some. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I think they have the normal parental reservations, <laughs> but they're, but I think they know it's, it's not like we're just doing this on a whim and we've been very practical about all of it and we are taking a risk. Um, but I think we've been very mindful and good about the way that we've done it, that it makes them feel better. But I don't know, Garrett's mom especially doesn't love talking about it too much. <laughs> She'll get off the phone real fast. Yeah. She's supportive of it. She's just worried about us, of sure. course. But my my dad, on the other hand, is like, 
lives vicariously through us for sure. That's great. Yeah. Well, what else haven't we touched on that you guys want to mention? There's just kind of like this great type of giving and connected community that's been really, really nice to have. I was going to say that's probably the only thing we didn't touch on is how impactful like the social media component of it has been. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. This whole blossoming of a community online of sailors is new. How has that impacted your preparations? So first off, meeting people has been really awesome just to see like what people are doing with their boat but you know for example i mentioned earlier i couldn't find any insurance in panama so i went on instagram and posted you know audrey and i have two thousand followers we're not in the millions but it's two thousand people who are like-minded and we had three people reach out which i called my insurance broker and they had no idea so being able to ask instagram like what insurance companies offer this and have three people respond and We've also had people reach out to us saying, hey, I'm in St. Martin and I need this part and they don't have it available. I think it's in, you know, in Berkeley. Could you call and see? And, you know, and we've definitely helped people out in that way, too, which is it's just nice um, to have people so ready to help each other. I've spent a lot of time emailing back and forth with a woman named Brooke, who she and her husband were sailing for a few years and they have a black lab. And Garrett and I really love animals and we used to have a dog and she passed on. So that's been kind of top of mind for us. Like, do we get a dog before we go do this? You know, and um, we decided not to, but just kind of having a firsthand knowledge of somebody else who's living it was really, really helpful. So it's, it's just impacted us in such a positive way in terms of people helping us, but also giving us information that really shapes what we're, we're doing. And how do people find you on Instagram if they want to follow follow you it's at this'll do t-h-i-s-l-d-u with an underscore at the end somebody has this'll do <laughs> as their <laughs> handle it's a small following but just built organically then that makes it fun for because we're kind of communicating with people that share kind of like-minded plans my my bible has been chapman's piloting mm-hmm. which is on its I, I don't know which what it's on but i have the 62nd edition so the benefit to the internet is you don't have to buy the 63rd, 64th. Like it, it's always being updated. Um, so that has been probably, like I have probably a hundred bo- books on sailing and I would say 99 of them are out of date at this point. Um, so the internet, especially like the community, you're getting the most up-to-date information and a plethora of opinions, which is positive as it's negatives, but at least you're getting a lot of ideas. Well, your Instagram handle reminds me, I did have a last question. I love the name This'll Do. This'll Do. Mm-hmm. Yep. How'd you come up with that? What's the story? My grandparents had a cottage in northern Michigan, and the cottage's name was This'll Do. And then my dad bought his boat, which is a 1956 Chris Craft, and named it Thistle, T-H-I-S-T-L-E, space d-e-w so this'll do i went back to the old school this'll do speaking of opinions i've had people tell me it's a bad idea because when i'm radioing in it's salty bob salty bob this is this'll do (laughs) (laughs) which is a little bit of a a lot to say like how do you spell that so people will remember it though and we um when i ordered the name (laughs) for this'll do because we we changed the name 
two this will do. And when I ordered it, it's probably three times at the size that it needs to be for our transom. Mm. But it, going back to Instagram, we've had we can people can see it from far away, <laughs> and we've had so many people come up to us and say, "Oh, you're this will do." Like I, I follow yeah. you, I've seen you. <laughs> um, the other funny thing about Instagram is. You know, people again around the Bay Area. It's a pretty small community, so we'll have people come up to us and be like, "You had an amazing trip, or like great sale." And I'm like, "I don't know who you are, but we're pretty open on Instagram yeah. <laughs> or just on on the internet in general." So people feel like they know us, which sometimes I'm like, "You don't know us, but that's fine. <laughs> like we'll that's be friends." Great. That's great. I've definitely had people on the podcast who I've met through Instagram. It's been a great way to 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 get guests. So. Yeah. yeah. You ran into us when we were talking to Quincy and yeah. Mitch, and that's how we met them. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, how I met them. And because so, yeah. we were um, moored outside of the Sausalito Yacht Club listening to jazz, how they do that on summer Fridays. Right. And um, they have live jazz over here, or just live music in general. And they saw the name on the back of our boat, right? And they're like, hey, <laughs> I think we know you guys. <laughs> we um, want to know you in real life as yeah. well as online. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Well, I want to wish you bon voyage. I'm Thank excited you. to follow you on Instagram and <laughs> your website, your blog posts. Thank you. Um, and just wish you the best. Thank you so on. much. I hope you enjoyed that. Last I saw on Instagram, Thistledew was in Morro Bay and headed for Santa Barbara. And from their posts, it sounds like Garrett and Audrey are having a great time so far. Ups and downs along the way, but overall good. You can catch up on Chapter 1 of their journey down the California coast on their website, thistledo.com. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Ben Shaw, host and producer of the show. Until next time, smooth sailing. Smooth sailing.